Welcome to the Just Larson Show on Innovation and Leadership. On this episode, I'm excited to have Tony Jamuz, founder and CEO of Oyster HR. Tony, thanks for doing this. Just thank you for having me. So uh, as a mission-driven entrepreneur, can you tell us what Oyster does and, uh, and your mission? Yeah, sure. Um, Oyster is a global employment platform. We help companies anywhere in the world to hire anyone without the need of expensive lawyers setting up entities, uh, having uh, payroll providers, and so on and so forth. Uh, we enable also talent around the world to think as the world is our oyster when they're looking for a job. Um, and Oyster was founded first and foremost as a mission-driven company to remove all the barriers in front of a company to tap into the global talent pool. We are a B Corp and we are uh, on track to deliver over a billion dollars of foreign direct investment uh, into emerging economies by 2024. That's exciting. Uh, and congratulations on uh, passing the billion dollar valuation status last year, big milestone. Thank you. Um, so uh, I was excited to have you on the show because I want to get better at running a remote business. So we've been majority remote since 2015. Um, and these days we've got staff in Europe and Asia and North and South America. And uh, I, I've been watching some of your videos about how, how to get better at being remote. So I'm hoping for like the masterclass on, on overcoming the challenges and, and actually having remote be the advantage. And, and we'd love if you could share a couple of principles with us. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, some context, Oyster, we are uh, 650 people distributed in 80 countries, uh, over 110 nationalities, with 50% women in the business, including on leadership teams. So we're very intentional in designing Oyster as uh, the most distributed organization on the planet uh, and, um, and the most diverse. Um, and we... Uh, if you think about it, what makes a remote work challenging is also what makes remote work, uh, uh, it, what gives it superpower. So there are three things. One is it's difficult to build trust when you're working remotely. Uh, secondly, it's difficult to um, uh, uh, collaborate and communicate. Uh, and it's also uh, difficult to, to set clear goals and expectations. Uh, and actually, it's difficult to to measure results because you're not seeing the person and seat. So, so these three things are more difficult to do remotely. And then, uh, uh, so as you as you transition to adopting remote work, then you are forced to be intentional about these three things. To be intentional about building culture that foster trust and build trusting teams. To be intentional about measuring results and clarifying expectations because you're not seeing the person coming into the office and you're not confusing presence with outputs. Uh, and you're going to be intentional in developing a way of collaboration, of communication that makes people effective no matter what they are. And essentially, these three things, building a high-trusting team, having clear goals and expectations, and uh, uh, knowing intentionally how to work together are the foundation of great businesses and great organizations. And that's why remote companies are becoming better companies as they embark on that journey. Well, uh, can we run through just some stories on some of those principles? Can you tell us, so like, let, let's start with trust and tell us, you know, what, what that's looked like as Oyster as you've built it into a billion dollar business. Yeah. So to me, the foundation of trust is, uh, is uh, two areas. One is about psychological safety. 
how do you create an environment where people are excited to show up themselves uh, without being afraid of how they kind of be perceived, being afraid of failure, uh, being 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 rejected, you know, all these human fears that we have uh, come that are like, actually triggered in, at work. Um, so one is creating massive amount of psychological safety. Uh, and, and secondly, is about transparency and, and communication effectiveness as well. The way you communicate, you build trust in every, every, every time you communicate. Um, and it's also about uh, assuming best intent. So when you, when you engaged in, in work with your colleagues, you always work, you always assume best intent. Um, and, uh, and the, the, th the three areas, one is about the uh, emotional safety, uh, the, uh, the assuming best intent, uh, and uh, the intentional communication are um, together. Uh, they they build they build high trusting team. Um, so let's talk about psychological safety. You know, I think a lot of us are familiar with the the famous uh, Google study that showed it's like one of the key elements in high performance teams. Things like this. When you think about when you think about people being able to, you know, feel safe sharing ideas or disagreeing with someone without losing social status or fear of reprisals or these kinds of things, when you think about creating that in a remote team, what are some tips? Uh, number one is it's really start with you as a leader, not to be reactive and be more responsive. So, so think about you as a leader and one of your colleagues coming to you or one of your subordinates and telling you a bad news. They missed the target, very important target. So how you react in that meeting is going to determine whether that person is going to come back to you with open communication next time, right? So it starts with you as a leader. You want to uh, become more aware about your emotions. You want to be, uh, you want to, you want to, you want to not not react to them necessarily. You want to choose. You want to have the choice to react or not to react, or how do you want to respond to that? So that's number one, is really how do you react to, to, uh, to all the challenges that you face as a business? And business is all about challenges, right? So, so yeah. you, you, it's like it's, you're training yourself every day on that, on that skill. Have, uh, you, have you ever read yeah. uh, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, that book? Do you know what I've heard about that book. I haven't read it. It's fascinating where he, so he was Holocaust survivor, uh, but the book is all about like the Nazis taking away his his research, mm -hmm. murdering his family, all, all these terrible things. And to me, the point of the book is this idea of like he's saying like the Nazis could take everything away from me except for my right to choose how I was going to react to them taking yes. everything away from me. Amazing. And like because as you were talking, I was like, OK, how do I get better at that skill of like taking disappointing news in stride and taking a deep breath? How can I get better? Anyways, I'm thinking about Viktor Frankl. Like, he's like such an example because his situation's so infinitely harder than mine, and he could do it. But it makes me like, okay, this is possible. But I'm interested in any tips when you think about when you think about things that you can practice before there's an emergency, so that you react well when there is that tough news. Do you have any thoughts about that? You know, it, for me, it was this journey of um, I would say inner journey, inner journey to be more aware of why I react the way I react, why I'm having these emotions and, and, and practice um, 
practice this ability to in introduce a gap, like a millisecond gap between my emotion and what I say and what I do. Uh, you know, you can think about meditation as one practice. There's other ways of achieving uh, this type of skill. And, uh, and I call it having breaks. You know, I think the human brain is like a Ferrari with uh, very bad brakes, like a, a bicycle brake, you know. So, so how, do you, how do you strengthen the brakes of your Ferrari, you know? Uh, so I think that's, that's what, uh, what it is about. And it's really essential skill for leaders. And, and I mean, for anybody who, who, who really want to elevate human potential and elevate talent to, to achieve great things, it's really about... Uh, being approachable as a leader and and create that sense of safety and it's it, it starts with how you react and and also how do you how much do you care about how people feel working with you and how much and you start by caring about how do you feel working period like if you are this leader who is uh, um, uh, just about uh, instant reactivity and 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 burnout and your your like yourself if you're in that mode then you will unfortunately you influence the people around you especially the people you're managing so you have to model the way uh, in managing yourself first and leading yourself first to be able to lead others so I, I would love to hear your advice on that when you think about that for yourself you know I imagine there's there's plenty of opportunities for friction when you've got 650 staff spread across 80 different countries. I mean, just that, let alone trying to grow a billion dollar business in two years, whatever it is, right? Um, when you think about yourself, how, what's been helpful for you? What have you practiced? How did, like, how did that look for yourself? So uh, for me, it started with uh, a discipline around my schedule. So uh, I don't work on, I don't have meetings on Fridays. It's, we call it Focus Friday at Oyster. Uh, that that enabled us to be in the flow, work on on long form uh, activities, uh, clean your inbox, ad address all your Slack messages from the week, and uh, uh, and then go into the weekend with I don't work in the weekend, right? So go in the weekend with uh, peace of mind uh, to to do whatever you need to do, and uh, so I don't work in the morning as well. I work, uh, I spend time with my family. I go to the beach here in Cyprus. I do whatever I need to do. I make take care of my 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 body my health um so and i work in the afternoon and i work in the evening to adapt to my colleagues so first it's really about being very disciplined about managing your energy and managing your your schedule um uh, secondly it's it's about uh, uh caring about your own mental health so so how how because as uh the example of the book that you mentioned earlier is how do you feel about a situation, the stories you tell yourself about yourself, your work, uh, it, it can be can be positive or can be or can be damaging to your mental health. I think one of my favorite things that you just brought up there, I don't think any leader listening today is shocked to hear that we should have clear expectations and, and measurement. But I think about some of your other interviews I've watched and. I feel like you live it to a deeper level, like even more clarity than if we were in the office, even more specific measuring, intentional measuring. But something that I really keyed in that, that you said um, is this idea of, of being specific with our team members on how that relates to the whole organization's results. Can you talk about, can you give us a, an example of that, of what that might look like at Oyster? Have you got this type of a role? 
you set this expectation, you measure this way, but you've also explained to them it does this for, for the whole team's goal, for the whole company's goal? Yeah, so there are some functions that are easier to connect than others. So think about the easiest would be, let's say, sales, where you have a revenue number uh, on an individual level and that kind of scroll up to company level. Uh, and maybe some of the most difficult ones are uh, the um, the engineering and, you know, how do you connect? Uh, it's harder to connect line of codes uh, to company objectives, but what we do is we uh, uh, we have some, uh, let's say we have some automation goals. You want to automate X amount of manual tasks a quarter, and then this is how we can connect that into a number of engineering initiatives and projects. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. So I signed up, I signed up for us and I was just watching some of the onboarding and this idea of like how efficient it is to be able to say, oh, these are the countries we're looking at hiring from and that you guys handle all the employment law and the taxes and the, all these type of things that, that are really such a hurdle potentially to accessing like a whole country worth of talent. Um, I can see how that, th that coding makes the process simple. So that somebody might like me is like, okay, yeah, let's do this. That's way better yeah. than figuring it out ourselves. I mean, we want you to look at the world as one country when it comes to employment. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's talk about your third, your third principle there. So you've got trust. We've talked expectations and measurement. Um, remind me what the third one was. Now, these are the way you, co you communicate and collaborate. We call them tools and the rules. We, we have branded it, follow the sun. Uh, because it's a, a working model that is agnostic of time zones and locations. Uh, it is uh, based on asynchronous way of communication and collaboration. So we're not 100% asynchronous, but we are well, much more asynchronous than the average company. Uh, and it's always a, a moving target. So we're getting more and more asynchronous as we develop uh, uh, more of our way of collaboration and communication. Uh, and we define very well what, when do you use a tool and for what. When you think about fundraising at the highest level, I really love your thought about going into it thinking like the investor. Think about it from the other side. Put yourself in their shoes. And, and I'm guessing, like, get really honest with yourself about what your concerns would be, about what you wish you would know if the transaction was reversed. But what else would you add to that? So uh, secondly is, is uh, get feedback early, right? So you, you want to practice, practice, practice on your pitch, get feedback early. Uh, thirdly, you want to um, test it uh, with uh, investors uh, that are maybe not the investor you want to have first uh, and, and, and practice and iterate on that, uh, get feedback. Uh, fourth is to run... Uh, uh, process so be clear about your timeline uh have your material ready uh and uh um, yeah and i think uh um, and you also i mean you want to you want to know what investors invest in these days right so you want to be positioned in in a category you want to you want to be positioned in the mind of the investor as being in a hot category and you want you don't want to be arguing with the investor whether this is a hot category or not you want this to be um, something that you both understand and agree with that's a great point um well and i'm guessing it 
it relates to my next question, which is about recruiting. When you think about both selecting the most ideal people and then getting them to want to choose Oyster, what are, what are some of your tips? What are some of your principles? My principles in hiring my team is I, um, I hire people that are fit for purpose. So uh, our CFO, for instance, has worked in previous businesses in the past in a cross-border shipping uh, industry that is very similar in terms of unit economics to cross-border employment. Uh, our general counsel worked in the, uh, at Trinet, which was a lot, the largest professional employer organization in the U.S. that is, has affinity with compliance of, of employment globally. I can continue, but everybody in my team has been, have been fit for purpose to what they do. Secondly is I hire people that uh, have seen both phases, zero to one and one to 10. Because if you're growing really fast, you don't have time to uh, push the reset button uh, on your leadership team. You want to have continuity and scalability in that team. Uh, thirdly, I look for diversity in the team. And by diversity, it also includes things like, uh, how do we think differently? Uh, how, how can we bring different perspectives, different backgrounds into the team? Um, I look at um, also the, the mission alignment. Uh, I want people to join me, uh, not because they need a job or they need a good pay. Uh, I want people that can't find a great job and good pay anywhere else, but they want them to choose to, to choose Oyster because they want to hear it to make a difference and, and be, uh, be mission impactful. Oh, that's great answers. And by the way, just uh, for everybody on my team, I have uh, on my leadership team that reports to me, I've used an executive search firm from day one. Uh, because before starting Oyster, I looked at the data, a uh, company that reaches a unicorn status, what differentiate them from a tenant acquisition strategy is that they have invested early and more in, in building a scalable leadership team. And they didn't need to push the reset button in, in, in the middle of their growth journey. Can you say that one more time? The data on unicorn companies, say that one more time. They have invested more and earlier in building their leadership team mm. than the rest of the technology sector. That makes sense. Um, when you think about, when you think about the hard decisions of like, as a, as a CEO, as a founder, as a leader, and you think about growing yourself so that, you know, you're, you're still the right guy to lead the business because you've improved yourself as a human, you've improved your skills and these kind of things. How do you think about that for yourself? First, I decorrelate my uh, growth journey and my learning and from my need to attach to my leadership role. These are two different things. So... Uh, because I don't want to feel the anxiety and the pressure to do it because I'm afraid of losing my job and being fired by my board. I want to do it because the company needs me to do it because I'm asked to, uh, I'm being offered opportunities of development and growth. So to give an example, uh, right now I am, um, when I started Oyster, we started Oyster in January, 2020. Uh, and it's been an amazing time to, raise money, you raise a lot of money. In the last uh, eight months, the, there is a massive shift in the economy where 
it's much harder to raise money and, and startups are focused on becoming more efficient. Uh, so my style in the phase one was more a style of uh, growth at all costs. I would create a lot of initiatives and I would uh, uh, say yes to many initiatives. Um, and it was the right thing to do because it was really about, it was a land grab opportunity and we needed to move really fast. Now things have changed. I need to become a more disciplined CEO. I need to become uh, um, a better manager. I need to look at deeply at the performance indicators. I need to uh, set clear goals. I need to uh, take this massive ambitious vision and tighten it so it can fit the budget in 2023 that maximizes our runway. So, so okay, well, uh, I haven't... Uh, I haven't executed on these skills for some time, so I need to re re uh, learn them again. I need to develop in certain areas. So, so, I, so I'm doing it. So I'm just going with the flow and I'm, I'm learning these new skills uh, supported by an amazing team. Uh, and, uh, but I'm not really attached to whether I want to stay in the game or not. You know, it's really the question of the board. Uh, and actually, I'm, I am part of the board. So if if I deemed unable uh, to be the best person to lead this company as the major shareholder of this company, I'd rather uh, move away and bring some people to maximize the value of this yeah. company, right? So, so uh, it's really not being attached to the, to the role is critical because your job is to maximize shareholder value and, uh, uh, and you cannot be in the way of that. You just, you just need to be on this continuous path of learning and development. That, that's the only thing that, that, that is important. And what's your, when you think about that, are you, are you, what does that look like tactically for you? Are you a book guy? Do you watch YouTube videos? Do you go to conferences? Do you take classes? Do you, do you call others who have the skill set and have more one-on-one -on -one mentorship? Or what, what's kind of your, your learning mix look like? Yeah, I used to learn a lot like academically through things like books and, and training and uh, some um, executive education. But actually, I dropped that since I started Oyster. I'm, I'm, I'm less into uh, this type of academic learning from others. And I'm learning from uh, people and, and experts and what they do. And I'm learning from my team. Uh, I have people on my team that are helping me. And, and actually, I mean, it's not... Uh, like it sometimes it feels uh, too complicated, but when you start doing it, then you start uh, uh, you start realizing actually it's not as complex as you thought it is. So you have I have this usually I have this procrastination issue where like I don't want to I don't look into the spreadsheet because I don't know what I'm going to find. And then once you start digging into it and try to understand it, and then you realize actually it's not, it's not as as challenging as you thought it was. So fifty percent <laughs> of the work is really starting the work. <laughs> that's great um well this has been so fun uh maybe before we end off here what's another what's another tip or what's another principle for for someone who you know they're they're genuinely trying to get over that billion mark um what's another principle that you would share that maybe we haven't talked about the power of the brand is really important whether it's b2c or b2b uh, there's uh, so much noise right now in the world and uh, you really want to find uh, a brand strategy uh, that 
resonates well with your target market and 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 drive them really really hard uh, to be able to uh, uh, to um, to really carve out uh, a segment of the market that you can own. Uh, brand is uh, is undervalued in in many businesses, and I think that uh, it is really uh, difficult to find unicorns that are not great at being top brands in their category. How do you define brand? Brand is the, to me, the definition is the collective perception from the market towards you, whether it's customers, users, investors, is how, is what they think of you. So, so you want to really, the brand strategy about shaping how you are perceived in the market. You want to own in, in, in the mind of the user or the external person, you want to own a piece of positioning in their mind map. Oyster is the global employment platform for distributed companies that make them employee centric. Boom. It's like mental shorthand, right? Yeah. I love it. Um, anything else on any topic that you want to share? Well, I think the the whole point with Oyster is really to demonstrate that uh, uh, being a mission-driven company accelerates your success as a founder. Uh, so uh, uh, we believe that being mission-driven enables you to attract more customer and better customers, uh, attract better talent and retain them uh, and create an amazing culture that uh, boosts the engagement of your employees. So I'd like to send a message to all entrepreneurs out there is to uh, to embed the mission uh, at the center of their business and uh, uh, just in a selfish way because it helps them to be more successful. You know, I, I think about child rescue. You know, we worked on our cause for uh, 13 years now, this will be the 14th year. And, um, it's funny how often I forget how helpful it would be to other people. Like, you know, I'm trying to build the business. We pay for, you know, we donate lots of time and money, you know, personally as the owners. Um, but sometimes I forget to like extend that and let the rest of our team participate. And, and then like Months later or something, I'll find out like their favorite thing they worked on that year was when they got to help with something with child rescue, you know, they're like, oh, I I need to make that. I feel like they're like doing me a favor to work on my mission, you know, instead of, and I feel like that's something I can get better at is like, you know, letting them all feel the ownership for it. So setting a good example for us there. Yeah. Um, Well, uh, this has been great. Thanks for making time to do this. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. (laughs) Okay, we'll end it there. Uh, Bye, everyone.